What's up, sports fans? Welcome into another edition of my podcast. The uh, this is the two and five edition of the Corey Clark podcast. Here, um, the middle of the week before the Syracuse week after uh, the debacle in Boston, and I don't, you know, I don't know where to start it. It seems like you can't really go X's and O's and, and scheme, and you know, you, you have to take kind of a macro approach with this with this program right now. You can get into the micro of you know you're losing your quarterback and you know you had the you had the weird start in September with a game being canceled and then Patrick goes down and receivers are hurt those are micro you know those are the, the that's the micro look at the at the season of this team but when you take a macro look and take a step back and look at the big picture well yeah it is a bad break that Florida State lost their starting quarterback that is a bad break um but why is it that a true freshman that had been on campus for two months is the next best option when your starting quarterback goes down? Why are you so thin at quarterback three, four years after Jameis Winston left that James Blackman, an 18-year-old, is your starting quarterback against NC State and your starting quarterback against Miami? Where did you go wrong? So when you look at it from the mic, that's when you think, okay, well, that's a program problem. That's not just a team-specific 2017 issue. Man, what an unlucky break. We lost our starting quarterback. The season's over because, frankly, at a place like Florida State, when you lose the starting quarterback, that should not automatically derail the entire season. You're you're, you're in a program where you should be better than that. You're bigger than that. You should have better options than this. James Blackman might end up being a very good quarterback. Very good. I don't know. He's had moments this year where you're like, yeah, man, he's got something. But then he has moments like, you know, the first half against, you really, the first half against Louisville, the first, the whole game against Boston College, the first half against Miami, where he, he just looks like a freshman. He looks lost. And he's looked worse, to, in my opinion, as the season has gone on. He's started to regress as Jimbo has given him, put more and more on his plate. You know, if he would, if he was, you know, you think about the first couple drives against NC State, where it was really simple stuff, and they moved the ball really well until he had that crazy fumble. He looked like a really good quarterback, and it was a good offense. They moved down the field, and then, you know, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Jimbo's dropping him back in the shotgun, throwing him 35, 40 times a game, just not calling a lot of runs, never in the eye, everything is out of the shotgun, and I just think. What he did at the end of that Louisville game where he fumbled and blamed himself for that, I think that was a big-time carryover in the Boston College game where he just looked like he did, he he just wasn't the same guy. He didn't look anywhere close to the guy he has been. He didn't get help around him. Heaven knows. Uh, the offensive line didn't do anything to open up holes. Nothing worked well. Nothing. Um, the best play was a Cam Akers halfback pass. Where even he was, I mean, they call you know, I don't know why you call a halfback pass where a right-handed running back is running to his left and he has to stop and turn around and throw instead of calling it the other way. But you know, whatever they did, he made it work. Uh, Nooney had three nice catches in that first half. I don't, I mean, I think they had 38 yards total in the second half. It was just a debacle. And instead of concentrating on the debacle that was Boston College, you know, you it, because we all saw it until you, you unless you got pass out drunk or turned the channel. Um, we all saw what happened. There's really not much to add. They were completely embarrassed. They didn't want to be there. They didn't play well, didn't execute. Whatever you want to say, they didn't do. But you, the the bigger question is why? How did it get like this? And that's the one where I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I, you know, I have some theories. Um, first and foremost, yeah, they missed their quarterback. 
But also, they're the ones that recruited Malik Henry when they knew there were red flags all over that dude. From the time he was a sophomore in high school, he was draped in red flags. They still put all their eggs in that basket. They didn't recruit anybody else in that class. Um, he was their guy. He was going to be the star, the five-star guy, um, the, the heir apparent. And, you know, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. I'm, I'm not going to blame Jimbo for DeAndre Johnson. That kid, you know, by all accounts, had an impeccable record in high school, had done nothing to make you think that he was going to punch a woman in the face at a bar. You, there was no way that – you're not precogs. This isn't Minority Report. There was no way that could have been um, – predicted that kind of behavior so i don't i don't blame jimbo and the staff for that one that that fooled everyone and everybody was recruiting deandre johnson at the time they were recruiting malik henry florida state was in a position where they literally could have probably gotten a commitment from any quarterback in the country Jameis winston was still their star quarterback and he was going to be the third straight first round pick to play at florida state um and the fourth overall for jimbo at that moment when they're recruiting the, the the kids in that class, the I think he was a sophomore maybe when they started recruiting, but whatever that class was, the class of sixteen, they they could have they 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 could have recruited anyone. They they could have put all their eggs, whoever they chose, that could have been their guy, and he would be the heir apparent right now. They put all their eggs in the Malik Henry basket, or at least most of them, and it backfired. Just like it, a lot of people predicted it would, because he was a kid that went to like six high schools in four years and had issues, and they they took him anyway. It didn't work out. He was a very talented kid, but it didn't work out, and now they're stuck with James Blackman. So, and also Costantino, that's a complete waste of a of a scholarship. Um, I don't know the kid. He might be a he might be a fine kid, upstanding citizen. That's great. That's not helping Jimbo Fisher at all right now. Um, he he needs if he's going to have a redshirt junior quarterback on campus, a redshirt junior that's a scholarship quarterback. He has to be good enough to be the backup ahead of a kid that's been on campus for two months. And he's not. For whatever reason, Jimbo recruited him. He has not developed. And he has no future here. He really has no business being at Florida State. Um, and it's and it's and that's been a big deal. That that that's you know, Costantino, you know, you think about the teams that, that Florida State had in the nineties. Um, obviously, they started redshirt juniors that had never played before. Those were the guys that they looked to. Okay, you're the next in line. And they always did pretty well at, at lining those guys up. Jimbo hadn't done that. He had Jameis Winston. And then, you know, Francois was a nice nice quarterback. But, you know, he had Jameis Winston leave when we all kind of knew he was going to leave. And his best option was Everett Golson, a transfer from Notre Dame that did not fit. And then McGuire. And, you know, Sean McGuire, God love him, he tried. He could, They could certainly use Sean McGuire right now, but J.J. Costantino isn't even that. And you wonder how that happened. Why, why so many huge missteps in the position of need that Jimbo knows the best? Would they be stuck in this predicament right now? Now, two years from now, we might be lauding the depth they have and that Bailey Hawkman and, and Francois and Blackman are all future NFL guys. Who knows? He might have knocked it out of the park with these guys, but they're obviously not ready yet, and he did not have a backup plan in case Francois went down and Francois went down, and here we are. But even more broad than that, than quarterback recruiting, is the overall recruiting and maybe who they're bringing into this program. And you look back at when Jimbo turned this thing around. He got you know, look. He was recruiting five star guys for sure. He he's he's always gone after the big name guys, and he's gotten a lot of them. Lamarcus Joyner, I believe, was a five star. James Wilder, Freeman turned into a four star after Jimbo offered him. 
Um, Kelvin Benjamin was a high four-star. Obviously, Jameis was five-star. Goldman, Edwards. These guys were Darby. These were all big-time dudes um, for sure. But they also were joining a program that was trying to get somewhere. They, they weren't entitled in the sense that you know, they, they, were, they were joining a program and trying to bring it back to national prominence. That was their goal. That was their mission. And I think they all, for the most part, bought into that mission. You remember that 2013 team. Nobody cheered harder for James Wilder than Devontae Freeman. And nobody cheered harder for Freeman than James Wilder. They, they, they were so team-oriented. And the Terrence Brookses and the LaMarcus Joiners, they all bought into bringing Florida State back to national prominence. It wasn't just, I'm going to get to the league. It was, man, I'm going to turn, we're going to turn this program around. We're going to be remembered forever. This is our legacy. I really think they bought into that. You know, that 2013 defense was loaded. It was better than this one. It was more talented, obviously, from top to bottom. But it wasn't a huge gap. Now, there's a gap. It's considerable. But it's not the difference between, like, 2009 and 2013. The 2017 defense has a lot of dudes that will be playing in the NFL one day. But are they just here to springboard to the NFL? Is that what they look at Florida State as? Is there not a lot of pride in the program? They're just using that. this as a stepping stone. LaMarcus Joyner used Florida State as a stepping stone of the NFL. But he also cared about Florida State. I think Terrence Brooks cared about Florida State. Um, you know, go down the line. I think a lot. Mario Edwards. He grew up on Florida State because his dad played here. I think they 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 cared about Florida State. They didn't just care about getting into the league. I think that's changed. I think when you have the success that Florida State had in thirteen and fourteen, and all these kids that are now on the team, these juniors and seniors, they were joining that program. I think a lot of them thought, you know, I'm going to that place, not because they're, they're going to win championships, but because they just sent 29 guys to the league in three years. I think that was the selling point, even more so than the wins and the championships, was getting to the league. And I get it. That's a great selling point. But then maybe that explains why, when you, when you sell the NFL and, and your path to the NFL, and look, we put guys at the next level, when that's your number one selling point, which I think it is, and I'm not blaming them. I mean, that's a great selling point. When you're talking to five-star elite athletes that want to go play and make millions of dollars, that is a great thing to sell is, look, you come here, you have a really good chance of doing it. Well, when you're two and four or two and three and a season is over, maybe that's why your first, your potential first-round cornerback isn't attacking ball carries and trying to make tackles because he's thinking about, man, I came here to get to the NFL. I got six more games, and I'm going to the NFL. Maybe that's so ingrained in a lot of those kids' minds. That's how they play. They don't play for Florida State. They play for the NFL. They're playing to stay healthy. They're playing to, you know, you'd, you'd hope they'd, they'd play to put, on, put, put good stuff on tape. They haven't done a ton of that, but they want to be healthy. For the combine, they want to be held, and I get it, man. I get it. It's hard to think about Florida State and the pride that you have for this program when you're two and five. But then maybe that's the reason you're two and five. There, there. This is a springboard. This program has become a springboard to the NFL. There's not a legacy or a dynasty um, that they're thinking about. They're thinking about getting to the league. And again, I, I'm saying that I don't blame them, but maybe that permeates this program more than. You think about the 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 teams, specifically 12 and 13, where they were trying to do something great for the program too. They also, they were all, they, all those guys want to get to the NFL just as bad as these guys, but they also, it seemed like, really took uh, pride in the program and building it back up, took pride in winning those championships. It meant something to them. And then I think this next 
I don't want to call it a generation because it hasn't been that long, but this next wave of recruits after the championships have been here chasing the NFL and maybe not so much chasing championships. That's just a theory. Could be harebrained. Um, I certainly have plenty of those, but that that's kind of what I see as it's a, it's a program de- designed more to get kids to the NFL than to win championships right now. Um, and quite frankly, it's hard to sell that to receivers. Since Lawrence Dossie has been the receivers coach here, they've had two guys drafted, Florida State receivers. There have been two. Now, Travis Rudolph is in the league right now um, because of the whole Giants roster got hurt, but he may, he's on an NFL roster now, but he wasn't drafted. He was a five-star kid. Urban Lane was a five-star kid that's now back at receiver but was a DB for the last year and a half. So they haven't done great with receivers, and quite frankly, if I was a receiver in the state of Florida, well, anywhere else, and Jimbo Fisher was trying, number one, he would he couldn't really preach to me the NFL because you've only sent two in the last 10 years that have been drafted. But also, I know darn well I'm not getting on the field as a freshman at Florida State as a wide receiver. It is not happening. He is going to throw out Jared Jackson before he throws out me. He's going to throw out one-armed Auden Tate before he throws out me. Heck, DJ Matthews, it took McFadden having a complete meltdown at punt returners to get him back there to field punts, which is where he should have been all year. Um, although I know he was a little banged up. He was hurt uh, in August, so that backtracked him some. And then the Terry kid, I just – there hasn't – other than Rashad Green, there hasn't been a true freshman, and Rudolph hit the second half of his year, but Rudolph came with Jameis Winston throwing him passes, so everybody was going to look okay there. Other than those two guys, they don't get on the field. But, again, that's kind of a micro uh, problem. The macro problem, I think, is more about what is wrong with the culture of this program. Is there a culture problem, or is it just a bad season? Um, you know, I, I think it's more the former than the latter. I don't just say this is a one-off, that this is an anomaly. This has been coming, and it was a perfect storm of a culture that, in my opinion, cares maybe more about the NFL than about Florida State. You, you That's how you recruit the kids. That's how you treat the kids. That's what you preach to the kids. And so that's what they think about when they're juniors. It ain't about winning games for Florida State. It's about getting to that combine and getting that paycheck. Again, let me reiterate, I do not blame those players at all. I would be the exact same way. Um, But I think at places like Alabama, at places like Ohio State, at places like Clemson, they get those those draft-ready juniors, those draft-eligible juniors, they play hard. They bust their ass every Saturday for for those coaches. At Florida State, that hasn't really seemed like it was the case the last couple years, except for Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, I mean, Dalvin Cook played in the Orange Bowl when he didn't have to. Um, Dalvin Cook always played hard. He was a different kind of kid. There aren't a lot, a lot of Dalvin Cooks on this team. Not Obviously not talent-wise, but not mindset-wise anywhere. Anyway, right now, I don't think. Um, obviously, you guys, if you're listening to this, you probably saw what Jacob Pugh said earlier in the week about how, um, you know, there's a the younger kids, there's no older guys that are taking the younger kids under their wings and saying, this is how we fight. This is the Florida State way. This is unacceptable. Um, you know, he, he kind of went off on the on the state of the program, the state of the locker room. I don't know that he was necessarily exposing anything that we didn't already know, but it was certainly confirmation, and it was certainly refreshing to hear. Now, it'll be the last time we hear from Jacob Pugh, but it was, it was refreshing to hear um, some honesty from the players instead of them just kind of parroting the coach speak that we hear from Jimbo and inches away, we got to try harder, we got to execute. You know, there's something wrong. That was a glimpse into that. There's something wrong with the program, something wrong inside that locker room. 
Now, obviously, Jacob Pugh indicted himself by talking about the leadership because he's a senior. He won the Heinzman Award for Team MVP of the spring. He was supposed to be a big-time player, and he's talking about not, not enough senior leaders. So, Jacob, I mean, part of that is on you, my man. You're, you're supposed to be a senior. You are a senior. You should be a leader, too. It's not just the other guys. Um, it's, you know, it's everyone. It's all the juniors and seniors. Um, and, you know, it's the coaches. It's a, look, when you're two and five, when you start out number three in the country and now you're two and five and you're going to have to fight, scratch, and claw to maybe make some awful bowl um, and you probably aren't going to get there and you're probably going to lose to Syracuse at home, and you're going to be 0-4 at home, man, it's a lot more than just a few things. It's a lot of things. And so I'll wrap it up by saying, look, um, Jimbo Fisher is not going to publicly criticize his coaches. We talked to him three times a week. He's not going to do it. Um, he, is not going to, he is not going to comment on whether they will have their jobs at the end of the year. But I can tell you this, they won't. Some of them will stay around, but there is no way I can fathom Jimbo Fisher going through a season like this and not making significant changes. I don't know that there will be drastic. I don't know if he's going to bring in an offensive coordinator and let him actually run his own offense. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it should happen. I don't think it will happen. I do think he'll have a new defensive coordinator. I do think that uh, he will probably have some other position coaches leave, retire, get fired, however it's phrased or worded, um, that will happen. Because if he brings this staff intact, back intact, after what those what those players did on Friday night, how they completely just showed the world that they don't want to play for this staff anymore, then he's just accepting mediocrity is what he's doing. And Jimbo Fisher doesn't strike me as someone that accepts mediocrity. So that's why I'm I'm confident that he will make changes. Because he's a winner. I mean, he's been he's proven to be a winner. He loves winning. He hates losing, and he's not okay with it. So I think that will be. That's why significant changes are going to come. Look, you're looking at an all-time awful Florida State record, an all-time awful Florida State team. He can talk about inches, and he can talk about this and that. He cannot realistically think that this program was close to being where it needs to be. Not after this. Not after 35 to 3. That was the slap in the face he needed, just like the 30 to nothing was finally the slap in the face that Bobby Bowden needed. Now, look, Bobby Bowden still didn't want to fire Jeff Bowden. It was kind of forced upon him and Bowden re- and Jeff Bowden resigned. I think there's a chance at the end of the year if they finish 3 and 8, 4 and 7, whatever it is, that um that there will be some people on this staff that resign and take that take that duty away from Jimbo Fisher where he doesn't have to fire them. They will resign, get their settlement, and be done with it. Um, I think that's what will happen. It has to happen. This program has gotten stale. It is not anywhere close to the machine that we thought it was going to be in 2000. I really thought I thought he had I thought he had found an Alabama for the ACC. I really did. He was going to be recruiting it with the length, with the likes of Alabama. And he was going to be playing in the ACC. And I thought he just had this thing set up for the long haul. And it just hasn't worked out. It hasn't. You know, they're, what are they? They're 12 and 11, something like that. 20 and 11 in their last two and a half seasons. 20 and 11. And who knows what they are. I think they started, they started out 2015, 6 and 0. So since then, they're 4 and 3, 10 and 3. That's 14 and 6. They're 16 and 11 in their last 27 games. That's preposterous, man. You can't be like that at Florida State. And two of those games are like over Charleston Southern. So, you know, you're looking at like 14 and 11 against. Uh, BCS, you know, FBS opponents. 
that's preposterous. It just it's 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 incredible. So and they were really close to you know obviously they've won a few of those close games. They're really close to having a few uh, more losses on that docket. They don't ever blow anybody out. Um, they, they don't have easy wins, and sometimes they lose close games because they're always in close games. So they're not well coached. There's no way anybody could argue that they are, including Jimbo Fisher. They have too much talent to look that lost sometimes and to look that so lethargic. And I'll leave you with this, um, just maybe as another indictment of the whole program and what's happened. Uh, I, I thought it was a mistake to play the Alabama game. I thought that before they played it. I certainly thought that after they played it. So did you. Um, but... You even still think about what you saw in that Alabama game. Think about what you saw, how you saw that defense play. I mean, that defense was all over the field. It was aggressive. It stuffed the run against a team that never gets the run stuffed upon them. Um, it made Hurd look like a doofus back there. Like he, they, they just didn't trust him to make any throws against that defense because it looked like that defense was an all-time great defense. I mean, that's not hyperbole. Alabama had one touchdown drive, and that was a 50-yard pass on a breakdown. Other than that, their only scores came after crazy special teams and offensive mistakes. The defense was incredible in that game. Really good. One of the best since I've been covering the team. I mean, it was 2013 good. Now what is it? You know what I mean? Now it's just it, it's just another defense, JAD. It's just another defense. It's not anything special. It's not terrible. Look, man, it's I'm not saying the defense is the only problem. Lord knows the offense has scored 11 touchdowns in seven games. That's ridiculous. They're the worst Power Five offense in the country. That's impossible to believe at a place like Florida State. Injuries or not, that's that's it's incredible, absurd. But. We know Jimbo can coach offense. Do we know the same about Charles Kelly? And whatever the message is, those guys just whatever it it looks like different players from the first game until now. You know, there's you know you you would hope the guys on that side of the ball could have so much pride that even when the offense isn't playing well, they could be like, you know what, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. The offense can fiddle fart around for three quarters. It won't matter because we're going to dominate this game and win it. That doesn't happen, and in Boston, they might, they just weren't there. You know, it's so bad that Jimbo was lauding as a sign that they didn't give up their goal line stand, stand in quotes, uh, because they stopped him at the first three plays from the one yard line. The fourth play they scored, Jimbo didn't bring that up, so it's not really a stand when they still score. But he he's looking for he's having to fight and scratch and claw to find any positives at all that he's bringing up a goal line stand where the team actually scored. So that's where Florida State is in a nutshell. Um, it's not pretty, folks. Basketball season is right around the corner. They could be a different, you know, they won't be as good as they were last year, but they could have some moments. They got some guys that can shoot. So fun could be a fun team to watch. They're going to get up and down. Um, and then the women's team's good. Uh, maybe the soccer team can catch fire and make a run. They've had a disappointing season. Um, anyway, just, you know, just, you know, you can't win them all. You know what I mean? You can't win them all. Nobody's feeling sorry for Florida State fans. Lord knows y'all have had it long, uh, great for a long time. You've gone 40, 40 straight seasons of winning records, which is incredible. Um, and it looks like that streak is about to end this year. So we'll leave you on that note. But anyway, tune in next week. I appreciate you listening. You're the best. And uh, peace and love. Godspeed. God bless. Have a great week. Peace. Clark out.